Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're talking about Western Sahara and a book now out in an updated second edition called Western Sahara, War, Nationalism, and Conflict Irresolution by Stephen Zunis and Jacob Mundi. Our guest, Stephen Zunis, is professor of politics and international studies at the University of San Francisco. His books include Tinderbox, U.S. Middle East Policy and the Roots of Terrorism. Stephen Zunis, welcome back to Talk World Radio. Great to be with you again. Thanks for coming on. Uh, for those who don't know, I know you just wrote an entire book on this topic, but can you give a, just a quick overview of what the situation is with Western Sahara? Western Sahara is a sparsely populated territory about the size of Colorado, just south of Morocco on the Atlantic coast. Uh, it's populated by a, 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 an, an Arab group known as the Sahrawis, who have a distinct dialect, uh, distinct culture, a different history uh, from Morocco. They've never been part of Morocco. Uh, but uh, upon uh, their receiving independence from Spain, just on the verge of independence in 1975, when it was called Spanish Sahara, the Moroccans invaded the country, occupied it, uh, annexed it, uh, though various parts of the country have been liberated zones uh, by the Polisario Front, the nationalist movement that had been fighting the Spaniards and, and, and later the uh, the Moroccans. Uh, the, the, the the country of Western Sahara, formerly, formerly known as uh, the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, has been recognized by over 80 countries, a full member of the African Union, uh, but uh, uh, Morocco insists uh, that it, it isn't in, in inherently part of their country. They've been colonizing uh, the territory uh, so that now the settlers outnumber the indigenous population. Um, uh, or, uh, though I should mention that 40% of that population are in refugee camps in Algeria fleeing the repression. Very repressive uh, environment there. And um, and this is basically about you know these people struggle for freedom, which has largely been nonviolent, though there has also been an armed component to the resistance as well. And there is a role played by Algeria, but also by the United States and France and other outside forces, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, the uh, Algerians have been the uh, Polisario's primary supporter, uh, though. Um, they're certainly not a puppet of Algeria. This is very much an indigenous struggle. And so, so it does fit into sort of the geopolitical rivalry between the conservative monarchy, um, pro-Western monarchy, that is Morocco, and the, um, uh, and, and the Algerian government, which, of course, is the, uh, the legacy of the national liberation struggle against the, the, the French. The um, United States role has been uh, one of Morocco's primary backers. Uh, while the United States joined the rest of the international community and, and criticizing the uh, Moroccan takeover and calling for self-determination, uh, the, uh, the U.S. has blocked the United Nations Security Council from enforcing these resolutions. Um, the U.S. Uh, for a time supported the idea of a referendum, but when it was clear the Moroccans would lose and they refused to go ahead with a referendum, we then backed the Moroccan so-called autonomy plan, which is really a sham. It would just justify the um, continued uh, uh, occupation and colonization and repression in that uh, country. And then more, most recently, uh, in December of 2020, Donald Trump declared that the United States was recognizing, formally recognizing, um, um, Morocco's annexation, 
the the maps, if you look at the maps of, of Northwestern Africa uh, on Google, uh, from the United Nations, from Rand McNally, National Geographic, whatever, they're, they're two distinct countries or at most hash marks noting that it's occupied. But if you look at U.S. government maps, it's all one country. Uh, and uh, the, um, so the U.S. is an international outlier. We're the only country, really, that has formally uh, recognized this uh, Ill illegal annexation. In your book, I think you sort of played up the legal importance of that, but also noted that it didn't effectively change the substance of, of U.S. policy, which had been arming and supporting Morocco regardless. No, I mean... So how, how I mean, similarly, similarly, I mean, it's like Israeli occupation in the West Bank. I mean, the United States will give lip service to a peace process, uh, you know, uh, and, and negotiations between the two parties, for, uh, ignoring the gross asymmetry in power between the occupier and the occupied, you know, blocking the UN from taking uh, uh, any action and, um, and basically in arming and supporting the, the, the occupying uh, uh, power. Uh, and, but... Uh, you know, at least the United States has not gone so far as formally recognizing Israel annexation of, of, of the entire West Bank. Uh, this is what we have done in the, in the case of, of Morocco. But what, uh, what is disappointing is that many people assume that when Biden got into office, he would reverse some of uh, Trump's um, <clears throat> impulsive uh, foreign policy decisions. After all, he was criticized not just by uh, quite a few Democrats, but even some leading Republicans uh, as well, uh, State Department veterans. I mean, you know, a, a lot of folks who, who, who recognize just how dangerous this precedent was in terms of international law. Yet it appears that while Biden hasn't formally uh, reiterated the recognition, he's not changing any of the maps. <laughs> and uh, the, the default position, of course, is, is supporting this uh, illegal annexation. And this, of course, puts Biden in kind of a, of a, of a weak spot because he's saying to, to the Russians, correctly in my view, uh, that, you know, you do, do not have the right to unilaterally change international borders. Uh, you do not uh, have a right to expand your, your territory uh, by force. And yet, the, uh, the, the, when it comes to a U.S. ally uh, about, like Morocco doing this, we're totally cool with it. It... I wonder, Stephen Zunas, if you can talk about how rare it is for there to be a, a, a conquest or a military occupation. I mean, it seems apart from from how you and many people view Crimea and apart from Palestine and apart from Diego Garcia and various military bases where the people have just been kicked out. This doesn't happen very much. Uh, I mean, this is not the norm, right? No, 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 it's, no, it's not. And, 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 it's, and it's particularly not the norm to actually formally recognize it. I mean, I, in fact, I think maybe, I, I mean, I think maybe Australia for a few, for at least a few years recognized Indonesia's annexation of uh, East Timor. That was very controversial. Uh, there have been one or two other cases, but uh, uh, it, it, it's pretty. It's pretty unusual for any country to formally recognize something. Certainly, not a major country like the United States. And um, and so, really, what's at stake here? I mean, there are a number of countries. You know, like uh, like uh, Kashmir, Tibet, uh, West Papua. You know, I think you can make a strong moral case um, for uh, you know, self determination. And, you know, for the people of those territories, it can certainly feel like an occupation. But uh, in legally speaking, there are only a, only a handful of, of, of territories. And in terms of entire nations, Palestine, Western Sahara, that's it. And so, um, 
for the for, and, and and these so for for Western Sahara, which is recognized by the United Nations as a territory under foreign belligerent occupation, as a territory recognized by the United Nations as an in, as a non self governing territory that is a colony with an incomplete decolonization. Uh, yeah, this it really is unprecedented because international law is very clear. If you're a colony, you have the right to self-determination, and you know, uh, you know, and of course that includes Puerto Rico. But you know, even even though I most of my Puerto Rican friends would like independence, the majority of Puerto Ricans at this point do not. Okay, but when it comes to uh, uh, to, to 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 Western Sahara, where clearly the majority do, and they're not, uh, and 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 the the uh, Moroccans are denying them them that that uh, 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 opportunity. I mean, this is this is perpetuating colonialism for all intents and purposes, and the United States is on the side of the colonialist. So, if you're a colony, you should have the right to to have a public vote and determine what to do. So. Not Quebec, not Scotland, not California, should it have had enough with the other 49 states because they're not colonies. Uh, but if you're a colony, you should get to vote to leave, vote to join some other country, whatever you want to do, right? Exactly, exactly. And, the, uh, and, and, of, course, and of course, this is, uh, you know, very, again, a very bad precedent in terms of international law. I mean, there are plenty, I, I have, you know, people like, like you and me have, have there have broader systemic uh, critiques about militarism, about capitalism, about patriarchy, about any number of things. Uh, but what we're talking about here is very, very basic mainstream liberal international consensus. You know that uh, that you know that uh, we really thought we had all figured out in 1945 with the United Nations Charter. But uh, what Morocco is doing with U.S. support is saying no. We 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 uh, we are rejecting these uh, these these fundamental uh, international uh, legal standards. Uh, and and and, uh, and and again, this this I mean, can you imagine if every country that had uh, claimed to have a historic claim on a neighbor? I mean, just think of 1990, 91. Okay, Iraq invaded uh, Kuwait, and the United States went to war. Because we said we will not let this large authoritarian uh, Arab state uh, uh, end up invading a small, weaker neighbor uh, that uh, that's internationally recognized as an independent country uh, because of some dubious historical claims. Now, I personally very I opposed the 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 Gulf War. I mean, I was a very outspoken opponent of it. But but we we were right. The international community was right to oppose the the actual um, um, uh, Iraqi takeover. But uh, here, you know, we're willing to go to war in one case, and in the other, we're willing to actively support the occupation. This is the equivalent of recognizing Iraq's uh, uh, annexation of Kuwait back in 1990. It seems even worse than that to me as a fan of small-D democracy, uh, because uh, much as I would like the Russian military to be abolished and never to have been in Crimea, uh, there's no question that if the people of Crimea voted a thousand more times, they would vote a thousand more times to join Russia. Uh, and the people of Western Sahara, uh, they've wanted a vote for decades, right? And now there are more new settlers than indigenous people. I don't know what a vote would mean, but ideally people ought to get to decide things for themselves, right? Yeah, very much so. I mean, personally, I'm rather dubious about the fairness of the Crimea referendum, but, but putting that aside, uh, the, the fact... No, I'm not saying it was well done. Fact, I'm fact, saying if it was redone fairly, it would have the yeah, same yeah, result. Yeah, the fact, but the fact is, is that the... the, the, the uh, 
that you know there the, there have been a whole series of United Nations Security Council resolutions explicitly calling for this referendum. The United uh, Nations even brought an international peacekeeping force, um, a MINURSO, uh, to to monitor this. Now Morocco is ended up expelling most of the civilian. Uh, um, uh, uh, members in retaliation for the Secretary General using the word occupation in reference to um, uh, Western Sahara, and they've refused to go through the referendum. Uh, there is they're the only modern peacekeeping force without a human rights man, uh, mandate. Uh, but you know the the um, but again the, the the United States has blocked the United Nations from uh, again in, enforcing its very mandate. And let me just mention the human rights situation for for a moment. Um, even free, even free uh, I mean, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, all these groups have have have, have, have noted how the the, the the repression in the Western Sahara is just horrific. Now, I've been to 85 countries, including Iraq under Saddam and Indonesia under Suharto, and I've never seen a worse police state than than Western Sahara. Even Freedom House, which if anything has a has a pro-Western bias, ranked Western Sahara, Moroccan-occupied Western Sahara. In terms ranking their ranking of 210 countries in terms of political rights, they were at the very bottom, except for Syria, the second worst in the world, worst only to Syria in terms of of the of oppression of political rights, and and yet the um, we hear you know from from Biden previously from Hillary Clinton from all these other people about how how moderate and progressive. Um, uh, Morocco is. Now, they've been particularly repressive against female activists because in Sahrawi culture, even though they're devoutly Muslim, you know, they, 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 you know, women have equal rights to inheritance and divorce. Uh, they keep their maiden names. You know, they are in leadership positions. In fact, the, the main leader of the nonviolent resistance in the occupied t territory is a woman, Aminatou Haidar. She's uh, won the Robert F. Kennedy Civil Courage Award. She's won the Right Livelihood Award. She's uh, the Russell Train uh, Foundation uh, 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 Civic Courage Award. She's won the uh, she's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize multiple times. Well, you know, she's been sexually assaulted in prison. There's a there's a uh, the, the Kaya sisters. They're under house arrest. They've been sexually assaulted inside their own homes, um, and yet you hear Hillary Clinton say how much she she appreciates Morocco's uh, record on women's rights. Uh, and and you know this is this is what what is really um, upsetting is that while you know, there have been bipartisan um, uh, uh, opponents of the uh, U.S. decision to recognize the annexation, there have also been bipartisan supporters uh, of Morocco. Uh, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein and other other prominent uh, um, uh, officials. The Moroccans have hired uh, former Congressman Toby Toby Moffat and other leading Democrats to be to be their lobbyist uh, on, on the Hill. I mean, this is not just you know part of you know uh, uh, Trump's uh, dangerous legacy. Uh, they're leading Democrats that are part and parcel of the the oppression going on right now as well. We're speaking with Stephen Zunis, a co-author of a book called Western Sahara, and the Moroccan influence in Washington, D.C. isn't that mysterious, right? As you document in the book, millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation, uh, huge purchases of U.S. weapons. The Freedom House, this U.S.-funded think tank, ranks Morocco as one of the most oppressive countries, but the U.S., arms it and funds it and trains its military and, and all of these relationships. Uh, I mean, isn't, the, isn't there, uh, you know, a problem of Morocco using the United States as much as the United States uh, abusing these African countries? 
Well, certainly. I mean, Morocco has tried to portray itself as a, um, um, you know, a, a, I mean, during the cold, during the cold war, uh, of course, they, um, were the, um, they, they were our allies, uh, in, uh, against the, the Soviet Union and, and, uh, left-wing, uh, nationalist, uh, governments of, of one kind or, or another. Uh, they, um, uh, similarly on the, the war on terror, uh, so-called, uh, they've been, um, They've been they've been uh, a big supporters. They they got good PR in this country. I mean, the more Americans have been to Morocco than any other Arab country. Everybody loves uh, you know Moroccan cuisine and you know, the Marrakesh fez. I mean, it's a great place. I mean, I, I love it. But there's you know the the, the government is just incredibly uh, repressive, incredibly uh, uh, corrupt, and um, you know there there is a um, but you know we, we've seen this too many times before. You know, from from Latin America to uh, to the Middle East to you know pretty much uh, uh, everywhere. Uh, we, you know, we, we the United States is willing to to uh, support all sorts of friendly dictators, you know, despite their their, their human rights record. And you talk in the, in the book about years of war and years of nonviolent activism uh, and so-called peace negotiations, and there is a nonviolent movement but it lacks uh serious activist support from around the world yeah, there's that, not that, that's really palestine that, right? that's really key i mean the nonviolent movement's been incredible in fact many people would argue the arab spring actually started there I mean, two months before tunisia there was a mass encampment of tens of thousands of people just outside the occupied capital of layoun uh, brutally broken up after a couple of weeks a lot of people killed um but yeah they you know they they've been I mean, I am all for nonviolent uh, direct action. I've, I've literally written books about the power of nonviolent uh, movements to bring down dictators and that kind of thing. And and but the uh, the the uh, but uh, unfortunately, because the Moroccan, it's hard to do if you're outnumbered by by colonists, um, and um, it's hard to win militarily. You know, if Morocco is getting all these arms, you know, from the uh, United States and France and elsewhere. Um, and you can't win diplomatically when things are stacked against you the way you are. So the only real hope is what happened in East Timor, really. They were in a very similar situation back in the mid-1990s. Very few people, even activists, even heard of the place. Uh, you know, they were down to a few hundred fighters, nonviolent resistance crushed, you know, uh, Indonesian colonization, repression, etc., being backed by major world powers that blocked the United Nations from doing anything about it. The global civil society mobilized and effectively shamed the governments of the United States, uh, Canada, Australia, uh, Great Britain that were supporting Morocco. And finally, they were so they forced them to cut off aid, forced Indonesia to go to the negotiating table, forced them to have a referendum. And of course, the East Timorese uh, overwhelmingly voted for freedom. Now, East Timor was invaded by the Indonesia with U.S. support just six weeks after Morocco, also with explicit U.S. support, invaded Western Sahara. Uh, again, a similar late decolonization kind of thing. So I, I really think that uh, global civil society is the answer, just like it was in terms of ending apartheid South Africa's occupation of Namibia and the, the apartheid system itself. Uh, so people really do need to, to get in, in, involved. And again, it's an obscure is issue, I know. We're only talking, we're a small country, only about a half million people. But in both for their own sakes, in terms of their oppression, but also, I mean, this is something, I mean, if Morocco can get away with this, if the United States can get away with outright annexation, this would be a very dangerous precedent, which, uh, precedent, which would allow the Israelis and whoever and, and, and anybody else 
to to go and continue. Uh, it could mean a breakdown to the international legal order, which of course would mean more war, more conflict, more excuse for militarism. You know, so we need to we need to nonviolently uh, end this occupation, or it's going to inevitably need more war. Need, need mean more war, not just in in Northwest Africa, but around the world. And and the solution, as you see it, is something of a compromise that perhaps not everyone favors. That is keeping the settlers, not kicking people out, right? Yeah, I mean, one thing about the Moroccan settlers is unlike the Israeli settlers, they're not ideologically motivated. They're given huge subsidies, uh, tax breaks, that kind of thing. You know, a good chunk of them still own their property, you know, back in the, back in Casablanca or wherever. You know, I, 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 so I think a lot of people, you know, would willingly uh, leave, but I think they'd also be willing to, 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 to live under a Sahrawi government. In fact, the Moroccans even, even uh, uh, rejected a compromise that would have allowed many of the settlers to vote because they didn't even trust some of the settlers who would vote for, uh, for, for uh, annexation. Um, so, um, yeah, the, 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 the what's, what's, uh, I, I don't, you know, there's, it's, it's, I don't think that the settlers are necessarily an obstacle uh, to peace as much as they, as say, the, the settlers in, are in, in, in the West Bank. Uh, and so are there, are there organizations we can support or need to build? Should our demand be that Biden undo Trump's move? Should our demand be a public referendum? What, what's the campaign look like? Well, there is something called, uh, called the um, U.S. campaign to end the Moroccan occupation of Western Sahara, based in Washington, D.C. It, it's uh, it, it's uh, led by some uh, long-term activists, including Bill Fletcher, whom uh, some of your listeners know through his outstanding uh, anti-apartheid work and uh, uh, other uh, r really good uh, work with Trans-Africa and other, other issues. And um, it, it uh, there's people like myself, uh, Michael Beer of Nonviolence International, uh, and a number of, of prominent uh, activists, and it, it, there are, it, and we're we're a little late uh, coming along. I mean, in Europe, it's a big issue. I mean, uh, um, the uh, 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 I mean, in, in, in Spain, for example, their Solidarity Committee is all over the way. It's a big cause celebre for a lot of uh, writers and artists and actors. Uh, Javier Bardem uh, recently did an outstanding documentary about the uh, about the conflict. Um, indeed, throughout Europe, Norway, uh, Netherlands, Italy. I mean, this is this is this is it's a big issue in, in, in Europe. There's a BDS campaign, you know, targeting the uh, um, um, Moroccan occupation, especially since uh, the the foreign companies are, are ripping off the phosphate wealth and the fisheries uh, from the uh, people of, of Western Sahara. So, yeah, we, we need to have a similar uh, movement movement here. And uh, so I'd really love to see people involved in, in Palestine, as I am, to also embrace uh, Western Sahara, again, because there are certain similarities. I think it will also kind of uh, help uh, help uh, avoid the criticism of, oh, why are you only singling out Israel? Saying, oh, we're, we're post-occupations wherever they happen, and these are the two big occupations happening in the world right now. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really do uh, uh, hope the... Um, Hope people will be inspired as they learn more about this to to get involved because if we if we can't solve something as basic as this, you know, a country just invading and gobbling up another, uh, and 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 brutally oppressing the population. I mean, this one this is a pretty clear cut issue. It's not it's not as complex as Israel Palestine or some of these other issues. And this one this is really straightforward. If we can't get this right, 
you know, how are we, how are we going to address the broader questions of, 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 of militarism and, 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 the, and the other, and the, and the other conflicts that are happening in the world? It, it is hard to ask a group, an organization that's focused on something to broaden its focus because there are so many problems in the world and they're working on a good one. But I do agree that if we could unite people who are looking at the at the wrong in Palestine with people who are looking at the wrong in Western Sahara, uh, it, it would be harder for them to denounce us as somehow anti-Semitic and anti-Moroccan. Right? I mean, it, it would look a little weirder for them to do that, right? Exactly, and then there are some linkages. I mean, Trump's recognition of of, uh, of Western Sahara as part of Morocco was was done in tandem with Morocco recognizing Israel, and that may be what uh, is making um, um, uh, what may be making Biden reluctant to uh, to rescind the uh, recognition for fear it would, it would cause Morocco to rescind uh, Israel's uh, recognition. Uh, but, but but the bizarre thing about, about this whole thing is that, you know, we, we say we want the Arab world to be more democratic, more progressive, support women's rights, not be Islamist, but be secular, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Polisario Front, the National Liberation Movement for Western Sahara, is a progressive, secular uh, nationalist movement with women in leadership. Um, you know, yeah, they they are relatively democratic in their structure. I mean, they, 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 they 140,000, 150,000 Sahrawis are under... Uh, the, 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 the rule of the Polisario Front, and it, it's, it's, it's much more pluralistic and open than, than any national liberation you know, movement thought that I've, 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 uh, I, I've witnessed. And again, in terms of, 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 of and we're, 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 so, so we're opposing a progressive, democratic um, um, Arab uh, nationalist movement that supports uh, women's rights. They've never engaged in terrorism. Uh, in favor of this very repressive monarchy. I mean, we say, we say to the Palestinians, oh, you know, we, we won't push Israel to end the occupation because Hamas doesn't recognize Israel and they've engaged in terrorism. Well, you know, Paul Sarah has always recognized uh, Morocco's right to exist. They've never engaged in terrorism. We're supporting the occupation anyway. And I think it not only reveals that... Uh, we're, 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 that, 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 that we're supporting Israel regardless of what the Palestinians do, which many of us have suspected for a long time. But, uh, you know, they, they are, they're quite willing to support even stronger an occupation against a, a, a national struggle, you know, that sh should, in theory, fill in the boxes of what Washington supposedly wants for a responsible uh, 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 Arab, Arab uh, movement, Arab country. Stephen Sudis, we've got just about a minute left, but I, it's it's remarkable how much people think the wars happen where human rights are violated and the wars are needed to come in and save the day. Uh, and, and this is an example of why that's not the case. I'm going to also hazard a guess here that there's not an oil pipeline going through Western Sahara because there would have been uh, a big U.S. war by now if there were. Am I am I wrong? No, there, 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 there's possibility. There'd been some um, you know, um, exploratory drilling for possible oil, but they haven't found any uh, any any there. I mean, I think it, this is uh, more uh, more about the old old geopolitics of supporting our, our our friends, regardless of their human rights abuses. You know, while using human rights as an excuse for intervening uh, when the violators are countries that are not allied uh, with us. Uh, but I mean, I, I think um, 
if for no other reason, a highlighting Western Sahara would be a very good tool uh, as we're getting further militarized around Ukraine and everything else to, to point out that uh, the motivations of U.S. policy uh, in Ukraine and elsewhere are, are, are not as pure as, uh, as, as they make them sound. And I think uh, Western Sahara, whether it be on human rights, whether it be on international law, whether it be on UN Security Council uh, resolutions, whether, whether it be by uh, non-aggression and spanning territories by force, go down the list. Uh, Western Sahara is, is uh, Exhibit A uh, as, as to why uh, U.S. Uh, policy uh, is, is not about what they claim to be. Very, very well said. We've been speaking with Stephen Zunis. The book is called Western Sahara War, Nationalism, and Conflict Irresolution. Stephen, thank you very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thanks so much for having me. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. <laughs>